0: Jewish Audio on Kaban.org. What if someone tells you, I love you, but I don't like your children. You'll probably say to them, you may think you love me, but I don't think you really do. Because you don't care about what I care most deeply about. Obviously, you don't know anything about me, and you don't know what love is either. So don't tell me you love me if you don't love my children. This is the premise for the commandment in the Torah to love a fellow Jew as yourself. The Torah tells us that we have to love Hashem, love the Lord your God. And the Torah also tells us you have to love every Jew. It's very simple. If you love Hashem, if you love God, then you'll love every single one of His children. Some people like to say, God, I love you, and I love those kids who behave nicely towards you. I'm not excited about those kids who don't really listen to you. That's not real love. A person who loves God and who's open to this love needs to love everything that God loves, which basically means all of his children. So what does Tisha B'Av tell us? What is the message? We all know that the temple was destroyed on this day. Both temples. The temple was destroyed because of Sinat Chinam, because of senseless hatred. And the way to rebuild the temple is with senseless love. Is to love every single Jew simply because they are our fellow Jew. So this week, as I share with you the story of the week, I want you to ask yourself, which person exists in your life, in your sphere of influence, in your surroundings, who is a fellow Jew, who you have a hard time embracing? You have a hard time loving You have a hard time appreciating. That may be that one Jew who God is waiting for you to love, you to embrace, and that will usher in the building of the third temple. So tonight's a great time to take a moment to think about how can we up our avat Israel quotient. How can we increase our love for a fellow Jew? How can we take it to the next level? What are the blockages? What are the obstacles? What are those things that are holding us back from actually creating a true bond with that fellow Jew specifically and particularly the one who we have a very difficult time handling? We all know the story of Kamsa and Bar Kamsa. One of the key moments that led to destruction of the temple when a fellow invited a friend of his to the party, and instead his enemy came, and obviously he did not know how to respond to it, he blew up, and that led to tremendous destruction. What would you do if you're celebrating, and you're rejoicing with friends, and the man who opposes you in your greatest life's battles turns up at that party? For this week's story, I want to take you to a scene where exactly that happens. This was Simcha Torah, the happiest time of the year, 1975, at Chabad World Headquarters in 770 Eastern Parkway. Thousands, tens of thousands of Hasidic Jews of the Hasidim were gathered together tight along with anybody else who want to celebrate the most joyous Hakafot in the world on the happiest day of the year. You could just imagine the energy and the spirit in the room. The gabayim, the official administrators of the synagogue, were frantically trying to bring some order to the ceremony. And they were also looking out for a group who would arrive every year from the Israeli consulate. Every year a group of Israelis who served in the Israeli consulate in New York City would come celebrate the Hakafot in 770 with the Rebbe. And as they look up to their shock... To their dismay, they can't believe their eyes because they're walking into 770 on this most joyous moment is Chaim Kohn. And they did not know what to do. This was the wrong man at the wrong party. Who was Chaim Cohn? To Israelis, he's still known as one of the major architects of Israeli law, a champion of human rights. He was actually in New York City at the time for the UN General Assembly representing Israel Human Rights Commission. But my friends, Chaim Kohn was also well known for his fierce opposition to anything religious. He actually came from a deeply religious family of Torah scholars in Germany. And when he was 18 years old, he went to Jerusalem and he studied under Rabbi and he became a tremendous scholar. But unfortunately, over time, he gradually turned away from Judaism to the extent that he actually fought against Torah Judaism, actively opposing the rabbis, and doing everything he can, using the power of Israeli law to combat and to fight religious life in Israel. This was a very difficult moment. I mean, just think about it. Here is a man who has the chutzpah to show up at 770, Chabad World Headquarters, at a man who represents everything against Judaism. In fact, many rabbinic figures during those times of the 60s and the 70s would shun him regularly because of the terrible things he was doing battling Jewish, religious Jewish life in Israel and also in his personal life. Unfortunately, he divorced his first wife and he traveled to America for a secular marriage to a woman who was previously married, which according to Jewish law, he was not allowed to marry because he was a Kohen. Sadly, the most painful battle that Chaim Kohn fought was his role in a battle which the Rebbe fought so hard against, and that is ensuring the integrity of the Jewish nation in the controversial law about who is a Jew. So I want you to think about it for a moment, that here we have the Labavitcher Rebbe, the Rebbe who embodies Judaism, who embodies tradition, who embodies the Torah, who sacrifices his life every moment and every day to, to uphold Jewish tradition. And then walking into his synagogue on his joyous day of the year, the happiest moments of the year is Chaim Kohn, a justice of the Supreme Court of Israel who did everything he can to fight against everything the rabbi believes in and everything the rabbi sacrifices himself for. So the gabayim, the religious leaders who were there, they knew the controversy and they didn't know what's going on and they stood there and they're like, there's no way we're letting this man come close to the rabbi. He doesn't even belong here. He's the wrong man at the wrong party. But then my friends, I want you to open up your hearts for what's happened next. The Rebbe noticed the hesitation of these people. And then the Rebbe said these following words. A Jew wants to take on the yoke of Torah and you won't give it to him. The Rebbe personally purchased the reading of the first verse of the ceremony and he said something to the Gabbai who then called out, we hereby honor the illustrious justice of the Supreme Court, Reb Chaim Hakoyen with the first verse. My friends, just imagine the scene calling up this person with the greatest honor in the holiest places in the world on the most joyous, holiest days of the year. At that moment, everyone observed with tremendous shock as Chaim Cohen cried out the verse loud and proud and everybody repeated after him. Well, it wasn't over yet. When they took out the Torah scrolls, the first one and the heaviest one, which is a very special Torah scroll known as Mashiach Sefer Torah, a very unique sacred scroll scroll within the Chabad community, this scroll was heading straight towards Chaim Cohen. Again, they hesitated. They didn't think it makes sense to give him the scroll, which is so heavy, but more importantly, so holy. At that moment, the Rebbe looked at Chaim Cohen straight in the eye, and the Rebbe asked him, do great, halt in the Torah. Are you ready? Are you prepared to accept upon yourself the yoke of the Torah, my friends? If you weren't there, it's hard to explain it. Two sharp blue eyes, piercing the flesh down to the bone and the soul of Chaim Kohn. There's nowhere for him to run, nowhere for him to hide. He looks at the Rebbe and he says, "Yes." And they handed him the Torah. The singing and dancing began. Chaim Kohn is holding the Torah, singing and dancing with everybody for three quarters of an hour. And even as the Rebbe sang and clapped and encouraged the crowd with explosive joy, the Rebbe's holy eyes never left Chaim Kohn. My friends, the crowd was shocked. No one could believe what they witnessed that night. Chaim Kohn then returned to his hotel. And the story is told that he turned to his close friend and he said, I'm too old to change my ways, but please make sure that after I die, I am buried according to Jewish law, according to the Torah. I can't change my life, but at least let me change my death. And sure enough, he went back to Israel and he continued to write articles and oppose a lot of sacred aspects of Jewish law and Jewish tradition. But when he died in 2002, the Israeli newspapers were wondering why would Chaim Kohn a man who fought against Jewish religion for so many years of his life chose to be buried in a religious manner when his entire life was devoted to fight religion. How are we to understand what happened that night in Simchas Torah? There was a very powerful testimony that was shared by a certain Chabad Chasid, who befriended an Israeli who lived in Manhattan. And three years later, before Simchas Torah, he invited him to come to 770 and celebrate with the Rebbe. But this is merely, really man refused. And he said, I have a friend. His name was Chaim Cohen. He went there a few years ago. And it changed his mind about many things. I'm not interested in changing my mind about anything. I'm not coming. And the story is told. that present at that Simcha Torah event. Was a famous journalist from Israel. By the name of Naftali Krauss. And after the holiday was over. He quickly called the newspaper Ma'ariv, the most prominent newspaper in Israel, who he reported for. And he said, I must tell you a story that happened today. And he dictated a report of what was witnessed. And sure enough, an article was composed about Judge Chaim Cohen dancing with the Torah, with the Lubavitcher Rebbe. And sure enough, the story in Israel created tremendous ripples. So many Jewish people were inspired because they realized the message of what happened that night. Interestingly, just a few days later, the Rebbe called over Naftali Krau, said, I want to speak to you in my private study. And when he came into the Rebbe's room, he saw on the Rebbe's desk, spread out, was a copy of the Ma'ariv newspaper with this article. And the Rebbe said, Yashar Koach, thank you for what you did by sharing this message. What was the message the Rebbe was sharing? The message that the Rebbe shared with Chaim Kohen by looking into him in those eyes on that holy night. The message the Rebbe shared with the Gabayim, the leaders in 770, who were apprehensive to include him in the celebration. The message that the Rebbe is sharing with us as well tonight on Tisha B'Av. The message is clear and simple. If we love Hashem, we need to love every single one of His children. And the truth is that every one of Hashem's children is pure, righteous, holy, and sacred. And sometimes you have to dig deeper. Sometimes you have to uncover that soul, that neshama that's deeply embedded within their essence of who they really are. But the fact that we don't see it, that this holiness is not apparent, doesn't mean it's not there. Doesn't mean we should shun them. Doesn't mean we should, God forbid, hate them. We need to love and embrace every single Jew because they are the only child of God. May we merit the rebuilding of the temple very soon, which will be hastened by our efforts to share that love with every single Jew who we meet. Shabbat Shalom.